the last 20 years I've been at Dell, it's, it's, it's an amazing culture around building leaders, right? And I remember when I was in training my first year at Dell, the guy that was facilitating the trainer, his name is David Henderson. And he said, at Dell, everybody drives the bus. You know, you're not in, there's no sitting at the back of the bus. Everybody drives the bus, right? Everybody has a leadership responsibility to their customer, to their peers. It's really a company that wants to build leaders. Welcome to the Leaders of Tomorrow podcast. My name is Chris Thompson, your host of the show and the head coach of the Student Works Management Program. This is a show dedicated to young and ambitious entrepreneurs and ultimately the leaders of tomorrow. Each week, we will bring you an inspiring interview or message to help you create the future you know you deserve. Let's get started. Hi, leaders. Really exciting to be bringing on one of the really early leaders in our business. Uh, John Armstrong was a painter in when we had our first operator. He was our operator of the year in his second year and third year, as I recall. We had one operator in the first year of operation, two operators in the second, and then five operators in year three and then year four. That's when I joined the team, and uh, that's why I consider myself the 10th operator of the business. And I think we had a, started with about 27 and then scaled to 50 and then 70 or 80 and then over 100 and then started moving to other territories and, and scaling up from there. So we, we brought John Armstrong to talk about his experience as a leader at Canon and now as a director of healthcare um, right across Ontario. He runs a 200 million or so business. With Dell Canada and and Dell is uh, just a, he, he talks about Dell and, and some of the amazing things they did. We got into some of the history of Student Works. Neil Bradley and Bob Kirsch were the the two founders of the business, and we talked about uh, about them. And uh, I think you're going to love this podcast. I really did. Really appreciated John coming on and sharing of his experience uh, and just an incredible career at Student Works and an incredible career at uh, uh, Canon and Dell. Thanks so much. And you know why we're doing this is to find other amazing John Armstrongs. So please shoot me an email, cthompson at studentworks.com. Send someone to studentworks.com to apply or shoot them this uh, this podcast to share the amazing stuff we're up to. Thanks so much. Have a great day. Well, John, I am super excited for this uh, podcast. Uh, welcome to the Leaders of Tomorrow. Thank you, Chris. It's great to be here. Yeah, so so why don't we go back to the beginnings? What was it like joining at the time AAA Student Painters and uh, you you joining Neil and Bob Kirsch? So uh, so tell us. Sure, that takes me back. And I mean, some of these things that I learned are just you know uh, indelibly ingrained in in my brain. I'll probably never ever forget them. And I think back to how the whole thing started when I got together with Neil Bradley and Bob Kirsch, who, who really were running this business. It started as a hobby, right? I mean, they both had full-time jobs. Neil was uh, a full-time sort of um, working for a, a, a computer uh, company that did uh, accounting outsourcing for bi other businesses. Bob Kirsch was a sales representative at Chum Radio. Chum Limited. And my my dad actually knew Bob. And that's kind of where the connection was. Uh, Bob said, hey, we're looking for, you know, we're looking to start this business. We're looking for students, student managers. We want them to, you know, to kind of kick 
kick off this business and run a a franchise, if you will, in in various parts of uh, the GTA. So I I put up my hand and said I'd uh, I'd I'd love to do that. Actually, my first summer I actually started as a painter. So okay, I I did the painting the first summer and I almost got fired. I mean, it was pretty funny because my dad had sort of taught me to be very meticulous, right? And and sorry if you hear a dog crying in the background, but my my lab Daisy is she wants me to take her out somewhere or out for a walk or something. Dude, so that's dude. that's you're gonna you're gonna you might hear a little bit of crying in the background. <laughs> Maybe I don't know if you can edit that out or not. But anyway, so I started as a painter and um you know I almost got fired because I was my dad taught me, you know, like, hey, you strive for perfection, you get 95%. That's pretty good. So I was, you know, and it's just piecework, right? So I joined this crew and I'm like, uh, you know, I've got this. There's this, this eaves trough, and I'm sanding it, and I'm priming it, and I'm sanding it, and I'm touching it, and painting it, touching it. The guy's like, "You were supposed to be done the whole house by now. You have got ten foot section done. That's it, right?" So, so I quickly, I quickly learned what piecework was all about, and that I had to get on my horse and you know understand how much was budgeted for that piece of work, and then get on with it. So, um, but anyway, I learned the trade first of all, and then I got invited back the second summer. And I said, I want to go into management. And then Bob Kerr said, you know, you know, John, do you, do you think you can handle that? Do you think you're ready for it? And I said, yeah, I'm up for the challenge. I, I think I'd be, I'd be great at it. And I want, uh, I want to pursue the opportunity. So I got hired and it all started out with this incredible training session that Neil and Bob, but Neil, I think mainly put together. And so we, all the managers get in this room and this is down, uh, at sort of, you know, Neil's got a condo down at Bloor and, and, uh, and Bay in the manual life center. And we're, we're, we're in a, you know, sort of a training room that he's hired out there and he puts in a cassette into a cassette deck and starts playing it. It's the Rocky theme, you know, do, 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 do. So we're all kind of going, what is this? We're all getting pumped up listening to this Rocky theme, right? It's like, Yeah. Uh, you know, we're, we're, we're getting ready. We're going to be trained and, and, uh, become lean and mean and get into shape, get fit to fight. And we're going to go and we're just going to crush this marketplace. And I mean, you know what, that whole theme really continued through my whole experience because we had competitors out there. Sure. There were, you know, there were pros and there were even some other student painting companies, right? Like college pro was out there without a doubt, probably much better established than we were. And Neil and, and Bob figured that, hey, we can we can position these guys and train them up so they're going to be a cut above uh, professionally anything else that, that, you know, that you're going to see out there in the marketplace. So, you know, we learned uh, need satisfaction selling. You know, we we learned production management. We got these fabulous binders that were they put together that had all of all the sections in there that basically taught us, as I said, everything from you know, production management scripts in terms of how to talk to customers, contracts, uh, everything we needed to know to run a business, basically, right? There was, you know, there was a, there was a section in there on, uh, you know, we had uh, vehicles, right? So it's like how to take care of your vehicle, how to transport equipment and supplies in a safe and responsible way, <laughs> which we, you know, we we sort of did, uh, and you know, and they they had these cars for us that they were called it was called rent a wreck. So we, they were these big old station wagons from the 80s. And I mean, you can imagine these things were massive. They had and all the paint and drop sheets and, uh, you know, uh, prep, uh, prep ladders, everything went into these things, basically. And that's how we sort of got around. 
so the that that was kind of the training. We were dressed in dress code was huge because uh, you got to remember these guys are coming out of Bob Kirsch is a professional salesman for Chum Radio. Uh, Neil Bradley has worked for Xerox Corporation. That's kind of where he cut his teeth as a sales rep in 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 Hamilton and Brantford when he was quite young. So the, these guys they they know how to look great and and sell great. So we were dressed in blazers. We had blue blazers with the student painter's crest on the blazer, uh, gray flannel pants, which were great in the summer. You know, the heat of the summer, you're wearing these gray flannel pants uh, in in the afternoons and evenings when you're doing estimates and so on. But we were we were dressed uh, very professionally and the how we were trained to do estimates of course oh that was also in the binder right like all of the all of the formulas for estimating so there's a whole section on estimating and all of the formulas for how to how to estimate you know a property from eaves to soffits to doors frames you name it everything garage doors and so that's how we kind of learned to estimate but this contract where you would fill out the contract after you did the estimate with all the all the work items on it, basically a description of all the work items. And then at the bottom, it had two signatures. And this is kind of where we were taught, we were taught how to, how to, you know, close a deal, which is like, okay, over here on the right, this is where you sign off when you're completely satisfied with the work, you've inspected it, you're happy with it, and you're ready to pay. This, this box on the left is where you sign right now to get us started on the job. You just roll the pen, you just roll the pen over it. <laughs> And away, away we go. It's it's so funny. It's like thirty plus years, thirty five plus years. John still remembers the close, right? It's so fun. And we, by the way, we still teach that one. That's that's the easy lead in close. And Neil, uh, you know, you, you're referring to uh, I got trained at that location as well. And and I, you know, Neil could train sales. He was a fantastic, fantastic sales sales trainer. Yeah, and you know the neat satisfaction selling was was kind of like spin selling, uh, which you know I'm sort of going from the 80s to the 90s here, right? But spin was situation, problem, implication, need payoff, and the implication piece is where they you, they would feel the pain, right? So you would sort of talk about a window, and yeah, you see how that window doesn't have any caulking around it, or the caulking is decayed. Well, that lets moisture get in, and what do you think that moisture does? That moisture is going to permeate the wood is going to decay the wood it's eventually going to rot the wood you know how expensive to re- it is to replace a window <laughs> so you're sort of getting on the whole the you know the importance of protecting your your home you know from that kind of decay and rot and insect infestation you name it basically so we were really taught the how to talk about the implication probably do it a little more subtly than i just did it there but um but but that was part of it but no it's it's 100% is and you know, you uh, excelled, obviously, you were our operator of the year back then, manager of the year, right? And, uh, and, and were my, what was, was, was my coach. So, uh, you know, John, when you think, when you think back, um, how did you see the business shift? Because you were there a number of years. How did you see the business shift and grow? Uh, well, um, I would say that probably the, the, the growth was really you know, from being able to scale the business, uh, from you know surviving the first year uh, with a crew, and figuring out how to take care of your team and 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 have them return right. Like, I mean, it's no different than what I do today. the The productivity gains 
are really only available if you have stability and tenure on your and experience on your team. If you're turning people over right, left, and center, uh, you just never get anywhere. You're really just spinning your wheels, right? And it, it was probably no different back then. Yeah, you needed to get a core team to return, and then you could build off that core team and say, okay, I've got you know a core team. I can add an additional team, and so that that scaling is really how the business you know sort of grew in subsequent years uh, as a as manager. And I mean, obviously, I got better at the job, right? I mean, I got better at estimating. I got better at getting jobs bigger jobs, better jobs. Um, so I kind of had my eye on that so that I I think probably in the first year, I was pretty tight on a lot of estimates and I had to jump in and help a lot of times. And then I just learned that, you know, it probably don't need to be that tight, probably can leave enough buffer and extra time so that they, you know, they can, they can kind of enjoy a, a bonus each, each and every time they take on a job and stay motivated. So yeah, it's stuff like that. You learn you know, you 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 learn it's it's a progressive thing, but certainly you start learning after your first year, and then from there on in, it just kind of scales and grows. And then there's the financial rewards are always nice too. Absolutely, right? yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Everybody wants to max out on their income potential, right? So you know, at that point in time, you're thinking about going to school, uh, or you're in school in some case, meaning higher ed, right? I mean, you might be thinking you might be thinking about finishing and or or post grad potentially, or even then you're, you're thinking about cars, houses, you know, that kind of thing, right? Travel, yeah. all, all that, all that good stuff, right? Which, which the financial benefits all help deliver. So, yeah. And so one of the things you actually start to get into is, is what do you still rely on from the program? What, what sort of lessons do you still, still use today? Um, geez, I, you know, I would say probably the, the importance of really um, respecting people and having uh, a good uh, sort of collaborative relationship with people, a give and take relationship with people on your team, customers too, customers too, but certainly, you know, that that's probably something I sort of look back on and I, I would have learned early on is it's not, you know, it's not all about my way or how I think it should be done. There's lots of different ideas and there's lots of different ways of doing things. And you know, I, the beauty of that job back then is it really lets you some hard knocks without a doubt, but it lets you learn things early that might have taken much longer in life to learn. And uh, I'm always thankful for that, right? I mean, you learn from your peers, you learn from the people on your team, you learn from customers. And, you know, the, those those things you remember, like I just, you absolutely remember them to this day. And I mean, I just turned 60 last year, right? So I'm, you know, I'm going, we're going back uh, 40, 40 years, years basically. Yeah, 40. And yet I, I still remember many of those lessons that were learned and good lessons for business and the lessons about yourself that you just, you just remember to this day. And they're, again, they're really, as I said earlier, kind of indelible, right? Like they're, they're uh, in your head and they're, they're probably never going to go away. Yeah, well, I know I know we were making fun before we got started about some Glen Gary Glen Ross, Glenn Ross uh, type comments. Always be closing, always be closing. You know um, <laughs> that we got taught forty years ago, and and it's 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 definitely a lot a lot different. You know the consultative sales approach than it was, and even then it was obviously a little bit more fun. 
but definitely more assertive back then. But I know one of the areas that you went to was Canon and you end up becoming a director of sales. But why don't you walk us through that? Like, what did you learn through that experience? What, what was, you know, in Canon at the time was one of the top sales roles you could get really at the time. Yes, yes. Um, you know, Canon competed. Uh, there was a book called The American Samurai uh, that was really sort of written about Xerox and Canon. It was really about the copier industry in the 80s. It sort of started in the, it, it started in the 70s, right? This whole copier technology, right? This, what do you mean? You can take a, you know, you can take a piece of paper and put it on a glass and it, it makes a copy of it, right? And that was, you know, sort of, I mean, the technology probably goes back into the 60s, 50s, 60s kind of thing, but it never really got commercialized in mainstream until the, until the 80s, frankly. And, and so the, the mid 80s, the late 80s, it was wild because every business had to, you know, have one. When, when Xerox first invented the first duplicator, they were so expensive, they had to rent them. They couldn't sell them. Yeah. So they, that once the technology reached a point where they had enough scale and uh, they they were able to go to market with it, and there was just a huge market for these. And, and some of them were very, you know, became very compact. They weren't these enormous machines anymore. They were very very compact and useful. So, so that that experience was, you know, similar in the sense that a lot I, I was able to draw on a lot of my training from you know student works around. Uh, you know how I'd learned to sell, right? Like again, that that whole spin selling methodology is was really you know, just a variation on need satisfaction selling that was Xerox selling back in, you know, the 70s and 80s. So I was, I was really able to take that and just apply it. And then, you know, to be honest, it's it's not rocket science, right? I mean, it's just a matter of a big part of it is time management, right? I mean, I, I could have touched on that a little bit earlier on that last question you asked, but I really learned the value of time management because, you know, in, in the student uh, services industry, you know, where you're managing crews and you're managing suppliers and you're managing customers, you really have to manage your time. And you, you've got to allow for time for yourself as well, time for your family, time for some leisure. And if you're not managing your time, you know, you're constantly just, you're running. And I used to think to myself, you know, I could sleep at night because I had to get up in the morning and I just had to open up my day timer and I would see what I had on for that day. If I had to just try and remember stuff, I don't know how I would have been able to cope, right? So I found that that was a huge stress reliever and a productivity gainer, right? If you're if you have a good time management system, uh, and I still believe in that today. But but yeah, the Canon thing was really it, it was just a matter of uh, here's your territory. So I was just like gung ho about I'm going to get out and meet. I'm going to go to every business in my territory. I'm going to introduce myself. I'm going to drop off a card. I'm going to find out who does what. And then that that I'm going to record in a, a CRM, which was manual. Yes. <laughs> it's like a time. recipe card. <laughs> <laughs> so like my, my high-tech CRM. And uh it, you know, it's and we still do the same thing to this day, right? We do it in SFDC now, but uh, or or there's other tools out there, of course. But I would record, you know, who who I spoke to 
who the key contacts were, what the next steps were. And then when I followed up, like I'd never have to make, I'd never have to cold call that place again because I had a record of who I saw and what I did when I was there. And then I could just advance it to the next stage. Maybe I get an appointment. Yeah. Then I find out, I get a little more intelligence about what they're using now and where the upgrade opportunity might, window might be. And, you know, and, and those things times a hundred, they, that they fall through the funnel and you get some qualified opportunities where you're quoting and closing business. So, you know, that's kind of what, what that was. We used to demo a uh, product a lot. So we had the ability to be able to say to a customer, would you be interested in a pilot? Like if they were qualified properly, they could pilot a piece of equipment and they'd have it for a little while. And they go, this thing is fantastic. I love it. And we used to lease almost everything, right? It wasn't outright purchase. In most cases, it was a lease over three, four, five years. And then that just became uh, a refresh opportunity, right? So hey, you're three years into a four-year lease. Do you want to look at what your options are now? You have some. Probably payment probably stays about the same, better technology. Uh, and that's that's kind of how how we do it. Yeah. So as you, obviously you were a top sales rep and then you moved more into management and general manager and director of sales. What sort of skills were you developing there? What, what, what do you see as the distinctions in that role? Uh, you know what? I think it's just... Uh, it's just sort of leadership, you know, and, and Dell is the last 20 years I've been at Dell. It's, it's, it's an amazing culture around, uh, building leaders. Right. And I remember when I was in training, uh, my first year at Dell, um, the, the guy that was facilitating the trainers name is David Henderson. And he said at Dell, um, everybody drives the bus. You know, you're not, in, there's no sitting at the back of the bus. Everybody drives the bus, right? Everybody has a leadership responsibility to their customer, to their peers. It's really a company that that wants to build leaders. And so I think that, you know, some of those char- some of those qualities or characteristics of a good leader include, you know, selflessness. You, you really, you basically build a team that enjoys their role. They enjoy the working relationship. They have fun. You know, there obviously there's a work ethic, and everybody wants to. I don't want anybody on my team that doesn't want to be successful, right? That isn't really driven to be successful. Like you, you gotta. There's some basics there that you gotta have, right? You gotta have that instinct. Like I want to kill it, <laughs> and um, right, that's good. So, and then once you've got that, it's just you know, kind of moving barriers out of the way, keeping people positive, motivated, taking care of them, right? Is, is, you know, the, the care and feeding that they need so that they can just drive to their success goals. And, you know, that's, that's kind of how I, I guess I moved from, you know, and, and, and I, I mean, look, I made, I would, should have made, would have made a lot of mistakes along the way. I think early in my career, I was probably too, uh, you know, sort of too heavy handed, too demanding, could have been a lot more reasonable and subtle but you know you that copier industry drove a real uh command and control type of leadership model right right like this is the way we do it this is how we do it here yeah and if you don't like it then here's the career section you know (laughs) it wasn't subtle like the quick quick aside there that was actually that actually happened if you can believe it yeah so that like if a guy wasn't doing well and he was kind of at the bottom 
of the stack rank, he might open up his, there, you got a file folder at work where your mail all went into and, and stuff. There might be a career section in there, right? Like you might want to take a look at careers. <laughs> I never did that. I never did that, but wow. I, I know it was done. I know it was done. Yeah. Yeah. No, I wasn't uh, mean, but I, I would go out of my way to make sure I only wanted people on my team. I didn't want any problems on, you know, people that I'm not sure if they're really motivated to be successful, if they're going to do what it takes to be successful. I can deal with a lot of diversity and there is a lot of diversity out there that shouldn't inhibit anyone from making a hiring decision. But and my team is incredibly diverse that I have right now. But you know, you you do want to make sure that you have that that desire, that need to succeed. They just want to max out on their potential, right? They want to win. And you gotta have that instinct. If that instinct isn't there, then it's a problem. You can deal with almost anything else, but that yeah. that instinct has got to be there. 100%. Hundred percent. That core, really, that caring, that winning, that drive, uh, for sure. And so, Dell's obviously been fantastically successful. You know, for our leaders, what does what does Dell do? You know, uh, you know, in your part of Dell, do sure. Well, so what Dell Dell does overall is it basically brings technology solutions to the market that enable human progress, right? And that sounds pretty you know, motherhood and apple pie. But right. if you think about it, technology, if you think about how technology has changed all of our lives on, you know, in terms of education, you know, educational outcomes are tremendously enhanced through technology, healthcare outcomes, what a difference technology has made uh, in the healthcare sector for all of us. Uh, so, you know, Michael Dell, uh, who's the founder of the company from in 1984 and opened in Canada in 1988, is a firm believer and that's the culture that he drives around think of technology as an enabler for human progress and many of the the you know the the goals the moonshot goals that dell has are really all around um environment and social governance right so you know respect for your community's uh, climate like the paris climate accord uh i think it's been 18 years that he's he's been a, a business member of that uh, Paris in support of the Paris Climate Accord. Like, you know, we're literally at the point where, you know, over 50% of our facilities, the, the electricity that's required to run these facilities is all from like wind, solar, geothermal power sources, right? So it's, you know, the, the product design and packaging is all recyclable material uh, wherever possible, it is in all the packaging, and, and some of the components now are actually. So it's it's that kind of responsibility to the environment and to our communities that really resonates and makes people think like, hey, this is a good, this is a, a great culture to be a part of, and it it gives you a sense of purpose, right? When you go to work every day, that it's like I'm I'm glad to be a part of this, and and you know I'm just loving working with with uh, with my colleagues and with this team because they that's kind of what we believe in. We have, um, let's see, there's uh, employee resource groups, uh, which are things like, um, I belong to one that's uh, it's called uh, Planet, which is, Planet is is really just, uh, and the, the chapter in Canada is called Planet North, which is really just all about taking care of our planet, essentially, right? So collaborating with Earth Day, Earth Week, Earth Month, and um, looking after, you know, through e-recycling e programs, you know, you, you may have at home, you know, you look around and go, oh my goodness, like I'm, I got three cell phones sitting over here, a couple of laptops I don't use anymore. <laughs> like that stuff piles up and it can all be responsibly recycled and, and disposed of. So 
you know, th- those ERGs, those employee resource groups, we have over 50% of our workforce that participate in these various ERGs, and there are many of them, but they uh, they sort of just bring power and momentum to these individual groups within within Dell that uh, uh, ultimately, you know, uh, help them help them grow and develop and and as individuals and as employees at Dell. So, oh, that's neat. That's neat. I can really feel the passion you have for what Dell's doing for what 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 it does, and that that matters, right? You know, certainly, again, one of the things keeps me going and wanting to do this is because I really believe in the core purpose of our business. So think about stuff that didn't work. So what big, you know, failures or mistakes have you had? And what did you learn from those, John? Sure. Um, geez. You know, I, I guess I would probably say it's, it's, that's, that's an interesting question. I mean, I, I, I'm a, a, a sales director and I kind of found that that's kind of my sweet spot. I guess in the corporate world, I feel like I'm really effective at building and developing high-performance sales teams and taking care of them, and they produce phenomenal results. I had a crack at an executive role and didn't get it. Uh, somebody else got it who's probably better qualified than me, but I, I guess I learned in the process that I'm probably less of uh, of a person that manages up and probably more of a person that manages uh, down, so to speak, right? Or, you know, kind of- Your team. My team. And yes, and and just, I'm sort of a doer in terms of getting results and getting things done and um, not as much about, you know, kind of maybe, maybe aspiring to a more senior role. So I don't know if that's, a, I don't think that's a mistake. I think it's just an awareness. It took a long time for me to become aware, self-aware that, I'm probably doing what I'm really good at doing, and there's a reason I've been doing it for so long. And 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 I probably just need to put my competitive nature, you know, like sort of calm down a little bit on the competitive nature and think <laughs> yep. and thinking like I gotta I gotta go for that. I gotta go yeah. for that. I get. I mean, it's you know, it's it's something I should be aspiring to, and it then it's really you know it doesn't doesn't necessarily have to be the case. So I guess the lesson in all that is really just. A, you know, kind of having the the wherewithal, the, the the maturity to sort of look at yourself and say, you know, I'm really happy. Just you know, accept the fact that you're happy doing what you're doing, and um, there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, if you're unhappy, then you need to you know you need to make a change. Uh, you need to change something yourself or your situation or whatever the case may be. But but you know, the, you you don't need to just kind of uh, abandon. Uh, all rational thought in in because your competitive nature is driving you to pursue that job over there or that you know that position. You have to think long and hard about what it, you know if it's really right for you, basically. So that's you know that's something I'm I'm trying to think too of you know sort of mistakes. I don't feel like I've I mean some people might think that staying at two companies for you know almost forty years <laughs> could be a mistake. Um, Sometimes I wonder about that, right? Like, I mean, I was at Canon for 17 years and I, I've, I'm just coming up to 20 years at Dell. But, and I constantly think about that, but it's like, well, you know, I love the company. I've got a great team. You know, financially, it's it's solid. I'd be walking away from a lot if I did leave. So I kind of believe in, in it's the right, and I, I'm not alone. Like I work with, I got a, people on my team who've been over 20 years, believe it or not. I mean, it's- yeah. 
it's uh, two two uh, exec admins at Dell that in Toronto that I work with both just celebrated 30 years at Dell. And so, yeah, so I, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. But sometimes I, I think about it and think, gee, imagine if I had moved around a fair bit, all of the experiences I would have gained and who knows where, you know, where I would have been or where I would have ended up, right, potentially. So I second guess myself a little bit there, but I'm not sure it was a mistake. Uh, I won't name drop who it was, but someone really, really successful. Um, I remember talking and, and reflecting and saying that most of the successful people he knows stayed in the same industry. You know, so Anne had really, really lengthy careers there. And one of the other things I really love that you shared, John, is, is that a lot of times, again, sometimes, and you have people on your team who have been there as, you know, executives who are crushing it, doing incredibly well. And again, there's this sense of, oh, should I really want John's job or someone else like John's job or whatever, right? And well, no, you love your job. You're doing incredibly well. Yeah. And that's fine. And and that there's this thing about wanting to do more. Um, where, you know, I'm a great coach. That's what I'm great at. I'm no, I'm not I, for, a, for a while. I haven't been the CEO. I wasn't a very good CEO. I'm a really, really amazing coach. And, and that's really where, where my sweet spot is. And so understanding that is, is a great thing. And for our leaders listening, it's like, you know, that's really what you want because you're going to go to life smiling. You know, John was making fun of how much I was smiling to have John on the, on the pod today. Um, <laughs> so, so it's like, you know, like that's, that's great. If you're doing that at work, it doesn't seem like work, right? Yeah. <laughs> so as you went from that university student to a huge value creator in the full-time world, John, what did you have to change about yourself? So as a university student, I, I think, you know, I think what I had to change uh, was I really needed to develop more confidence. I don't, you know, and, and I, I mean, let's face it. I mean, I think the whole student works experience helped me develop a ton of confidence. I wasn't really hundred percent sure I could do it or what I, you know, what, what I would do. I just knew I was going to throw everything I had at it basically. But I, I think coming out of school, I, I don't, I don't think I necessarily had the confidence that, you know, what, what I could sort of take on and accomplish, but it, you know, this, this, this whole experience kind of helped me gain a ton of confidence. So I did feel like I could move into a sales career and I felt like I've got the tools, I've sort of done this and I just need to, you know, scale it up and just, you know, learn a few things about what, what you know, the technology and so on. And then right. uh, I, I should be able to really do well at it. So I, I think that, and then it is really just, the confidence, the other piece of the confidence, I think, is getting comfortable having more executive conversations, right? Like, I think I used to be terrified of, you know, talking to the owner of a business or an executive uh, VP of finance or, or VP admin or something like that, just intimidated by the title instead of just, uh, so I had to learn that these are just people, but you you do have to know how to talk to them, which means you have to do a reasonable amount of research about who they are and what they do. And you need to be able to bring, you know, you, you don't, they don't want to come in and talk about, Hey, you know, where did you go to school? And, uh, do you have a cottage? I mean, they, they, you want to have a business conversation with them. So you have to prepare for that so that you, you know, you have something in mind, you know, and you say, Hey, I have uh, I have a, here's my value proposition. This is what it is, and this is how I think it can impact your business, your team, and uh, this is what I'd like to position. And you know, so you you have to sort of develop some some confidence around having those types of 
you know, executive or senior leadership conversations. And that, you know, that, that's something I had to learn. That's something that took some, you know, that took some time to learn it, but the more you do it, the, the better and more effective you get at it, you know, but you do, you got to practice and prepare and then, you know, then you can deliver. Yeah. And I like as well, what you, what you commented on is as an operator in this business, you learn that again, how do you, you have conversations with VP admin or business owners, but like you said, they're way more, oh, you know, Hey, you know, do you have a cottage and how's, how's this? And it's way more rapport type conversation where really, again, at work, they're looking to push an agenda. They're there to, you know, drive their business forward. They're there to get business results. And so you need to be focused on that. You know, where at home, they're much more relaxed and they're, they, th- those types of conversations make sense. Hey, I'll tell you uh, something else just popped into my head, just back to that theme of, um, you know, what, what would you do differently kind of thing, or what would you maybe change or do differently? And one of the things that I've uh, that, that I, I'm appreciative of Dell's culture is around wellness. It's a huge theme. Uh, I think in business in general, it doesn't have to be. It's not just Dell by any means, but that's kind of where I learned it. And um, uh, this notion of wellness and taking care of your team and taking care of yourself. And I, I don't think I did. I, I didn't pay any attention to that at all in my younger days, right? Whether it was you know drinking, smoking, whatever, right? I just I probably didn't didn't really put enough emphasis on leading a healthy lifestyle and how that uh, has a great, you know, it de-stresses you, uh, it gives you perspective, it lets you, gives you time to think and you, you, you know, you're just better, hundred percent better. So that is, didn't think about it much when I was young, but as I got older, I started to appreciate the importance of wellness. And of course, as people know, wellness could be, can be meditation for sure, can be exercise, can be all kinds of things. And we, you know, we even do it as a team, right? We have these, you know, sort of wellness competitions, if you will, which are related to steps. And anyway, it's a cool thing basically, but I, I am a big believer in, in that. And having gone through this, you know, these, the, the COVID years, right. In 2020, 21, I mean, we really learned how to, you know, you, you had to get out of the basement. Every, a lot of people working remotely, Yes, you had to get out and get, you know, you need some fresh air. You need to walk your neighborhood and get out two or three times a day. Right. And really, really have a nice brisk walk as, as a really basic type of wellness. But I've just learned how important that was. And I, I don't think I, I did that very well when I was in my younger days, that's for sure. Yeah, no, and certainly, certainly didn't look like Canon was with the careers uh, section being in people, low performers uh, files. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, Culture's no, changed psych- a lot. Culture's changed Psychological a lot. safety was not, not an important thing at all in those days. No, that's yeah, no, for sure. And that that's actually a cool theme too. I mean, my boss yeah. has um, you know, sort of a few things in terms of how he runs the business, but one of those one of those themes is psychological safety, which is you can't be afraid to go to your boss with a you know, a problem, a concern, uh, a question, whatever, right? You just you know, they have to we don't want a culture where people are feeling like they can't be at their best because they don't want to look stupid or say the wrong thing or they're going to get laughed at or whatever, right? I mean, so that that's really, I find really kind of meaningful and uh, uh, important, I think, as a progressive kind of a progressive theme around business. For sure. And it's another thing that, that the world's made a lot of strides in, John, right? You know, so so it's just a lot of awareness, you know, 
psychological safety, you know, healthy awareness, uh, health, you know, you know, mental health, you know, and being aware of these things. So, and so what about habits, John, any, any habits that someone would want to steal from you? What are your powerful habits that you have? Um, you know, I would say, you know, at the wellness, I, I would come back to the wellness and say, that's, that's, that's really, really important to me. And, it's really just getting outside, right? It's just staying active. Like, yes, I play golf. I play hockey. I do a bunch of activities that I enjoy. They're sort of fun things that I do, but I really just believe in, in getting, getting outside and staying active in any way, shape or form, just, you know, just the opposite of sedentary, right? Like I just find that's really important. So that's the activity is, is a habit. I would say, the other thing is, I mean, I think, you know, sort of goal setting uh, for leisure is really fun too, right? Like kind of setting some goals around, this is a place I really love to go. You know, Rose and I would love to go together. It's a, maybe it's a city or we go camping. We have a little travel trailer and we bought it as an experiment in 2017. And so I guess it's coming up on six years and I, uh, we, we have gone out to the East Coast and done Cape Breton, the Cabot Trail. We've gone north of Superior, Lake Superior Provincial Park. We've gone up to Tomogam. We've done the Finger Lakes in New York. You know, we just had all these great adventures in this simple little travel trailer that um, now I just, it's crazy. I mean, you just can't wait to, uh, to go on the next adventure, right? And uh, it's, it's finding something like that that is a passion uh, you know, a leisure passion that you you might have like like that that I've that that kind of really keeps a lot of you know keeps you a lot of a positive momentum I find as you're you're thinking about that and where you're where you're gonna go with it next. So that that's it. I mean I I think that there's probably a lot of stuff we could talk about there in that area. But I mean I think you know some of the other habits are I just try to be uh really kind of I I try to recognize people at every opportunity and that could be you know on a, on a personal level or it could be work related but even on a personal level uh, I find that's a great way to be as a human being and you get returns in you know tenfold for being like this but I mean you know it doesn't matter who they are right it could be the guy that's picking up your recycling and you know you you have you know you have a little chat thanks for doing that I appreciate that. Uh, I know you didn't have to do it. And, you know, that it's just simple little things like that, just showing some gratitude, appreciation, providing some recognition wherever you possibly can. Uh, you know, it could be at the golf club, right? So, you know, you're, you're talking to some kid who's who's working in the back shop. I think you're doing a great job. I really appreciate you, you know, taking care of me here and so on. And it's, uh, I think this just goes a long way. And I, I learned that I actually... I guess I'd say I'd learn that from Neil Bradley because I've seen, and you've seen it, I've seen him do it for years and years. And a lot of times I scratch my head and going, you know, I, I wonder why he's going out of his way to be so, he's introducing himself, he's shaking the guy's hand. You know what I mean? Like that's, I just don't, I don't know if I can do that or not, but I mean, I, and I don't do it as well as Neil, but I, I now, I really recognize the the benefit uh, and the value of doing that. It makes people feel special, it makes them feel, you know, kind of important and acknowledged. And, uh, and that's a good, that's really a good thing. 
No, I think it's a wonderful thing. I I, I agree, and I I was I was I was down in, down with Neil as as you you were recently, uh, Florida, and and saw that full on. You know, just just it's it's great, and it's it's a gift that we give people, right? We give them our attention, and we recognize and identify people, and it just makes your life better, right? Like you know, you make someone else's life better, you make your life better. So it's just, and then of course, of course, no kidding, John, your retention on your team so high, right? People want to stay with you and work with you, right? Like, you know, the, of course, there's also the business, but but again, a, a whole bunch of what we talked to, about today is not just business, but it's personal and how it matters in your personal life. So I know your dog's, dog's got to walk. So uh, last question. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so when you think of a leader of tomorrow, John, what do you think of? <laughs> yeah, so... Um... I, I would say it sort of goes back to a couple of things I was saying earlier. I mean, I think I think leaders have to recognize that it's it's really not about them. It's has it really has to be about uh, the team, about the you know the 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 greater good or the greater goal that team is trying to accomplish. You know, it's it has to be a selfless you know kind of exercise uh, and a selfless attitude all the time. And I, I would probably say that's maybe that's a thing I do. Uh, on the leadership level, that's probably the best is, uh, I mean, people on the team respect me. It's not like I let people walk all over me. There's certain things I say, well, you need to do that, or you need to get better at that. But there's certain things I'm going to say, you know what, let me take that for you. And I'm going to see if I can solve that problem. Right. And it, it really, um, it, it just goes a long way to having them sort of like, thanks. I really appreciate that. I, I wasn't sure what I was going to do with it. So I, I just really try to be you know, as caring as possible. And I, I don't let, you know, a lot of times little personal things, you know, kind of, uh, you know, somebody has a problem with uh, my son is sick or whatever. And I just always remember those things. And I sort of check back with them and say, how's your son doing? You know, is he, is he back on his feet? Like, or I do this, it just, I don't know. It's just, I've always done it. And I find that people um, recognize that, that level of caring and I, you know, I'm not superficial about it. I'm honestly interested to know. And, or, you know, sometimes it could be a situation where somebody's, uh, you know, it could be uh, somebody who's passed away in the family. And I just extend my condolences and kind of go out of my way a little bit to, to do that. It, it, and it really comes down to treating people like you would like to be treated, right? And respect them the way you would like to be respected. So I try to do a good job uh, with that, I would say, overall. So, you know, I think that's that's an important thing for sure. And I think leaders need to be, you know, they need to be brave, right? They need to um, be unafraid to try new things, uh, new discoveries, pursue new opportunities, new ideas and ambitions, right? I don't, you know, I, we don't, you know, we don't need people sort of being timid and holding back. We need an expression of ideas uh, and a willingness to go and try things. And they, they should, you know, they should be allowed to do that. And, uh, there's going to be mistakes, there's going to be failures, but I think that's the attitude that I would like to see in a leader is, is somebody who, you know, really has big ideas, right? Big, big goals, big ideas, and they can all be accomplished. Right. But, you know, not, not if they don't, not if they don't try. So I think that's, that's another thing that would occur to me around, you know, leadership characteristics, I guess, or attributes, a couple ideas anyway. Well, Johnny, um, yeah, no, this has been awesome. Like I, 
Um, and I wanted to acknowledge you. You were the first coach, the first district manager. I wasn't planning on doing this, but and just thousands, literally thousands of people have followed your your footsteps, you know, uh, and and having unbelievable opportunities and learning and growth. And uh, I really appreciate you, you know, as my coach and uh, just just awesome, awesome podcast. And, uh, you know, congratulations on all the success that you've had post student works. Thank you, Chris. It's been fun. I really enjoyed it and uh, uh, appreciate our relationship as well. I have a lot of respect for you and and what you've been able to do with this company and just the, the guy that you are, the human being you are for sure too. So oh, thank you. that's why that's why we're still good friends to this day. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> well, thanks so much, Johnny. Take care, Chris. Hey leaders, I hope you enjoyed this episode. Bye now you are aware that we work with ambitious students every single year to not only help them run their first successful business, but to further their development as a leader and give them an unfair advantage in the future over their counterparts. It's why starting now and only for the next few weeks, we'll be on campuses across Ontario, Quebec and the East Coast, interviewing students who think they have what it takes to start their first business and get started down their path of entrepreneurship. If you think you have what it takes or know someone who might be interested, visit leaderspodcast.ca slash apply and start your application process today. Once again, it's leaderspodcast.ca slash apply. And I can't wait to see you on the other side.